Alright, why don't we open up to Psalm 91? How many of y'all love Psalm 91? We're going to hang out. I just, I haven't been able to get away from Psalm 91 for like months now. So, I'm just going to share what God's been sharing in me. And uh, those of you who are in the Crowley Small Group and were there a couple of weeks ago, this is going to be... Uh, this is going to be just review and hopefully deeper than what we could do in, in that time. Um, so let's read it. Let's read. Let's read this, and we're really just going to hang out in verse one, and then and then kind of meander to some other places. So for some reason, I just uh, I think it's you know I got a New King James Version Bible back in the day. And whatever you kind of read for a while, it's what you get used to. So that's what I would just like to, to read from. Also, you know, now it's so easy to, to uh, you know, with an app, a couple of clicks, just like get every translation imaginable out there, uh, which is amazing. It's so much easier than the way it used to be, right? Those of you can remember how hard it was to do word studies compared to how it is now. It's like... Whoa, okay. Well, it's all done. That's awesome. Still got to do some uh, soaking and let the word get in you too, right? Google doesn't do that for you. (laughs) All right, let's read it. He who dwells in the secret place, say secret place. Yeah. Of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah, and it's truly really fun in the Amplified too, right? Don't you love how the Amplified amplifies? Sometimes it's kind of like, oh, okay. But then, like, most of the time, like, it's like, whoa, that's really good. Thank you for... Thanks for doing that, Amplified. Whoever decided to do that. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it adds little things like at the end, whom who no foe can withstand at the end. It's, it's pretty sweet. That's good. He who dwells, he who abides, lives, makes a residence, sits down, Remains, settles, even there, there's a part of it that means to marry. He who sits down in a secret place, he who makes a residence in the secret place, he who marries the secret place or the one in the secret place. shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Where are we seated? In Christ in heavenly places. Jesus talks about the secret place, didn't he? 
And he said, he said, when you pray, shut the door and pray to your father who's in the secret place. Y'all been in a closed door meeting? Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. But either way, there's a reason why you shut the door. It's because they're private, aren't they? It's because they're secret. It means your boss or whoever has something to say that he doesn't want everybody else to know. Or at least not right then. There's confidential things shared in those closed door meetings. There's things as a parent, you're talking to your, your spouse behind closed doors, telling secrets of your heart. Nobody else is supposed to know those things, right? There's an aspect to the secret place of intimacy, isn't there? When you close the door, it means the world can't get in there. Everything else can't get in there. It's just you and that other person or maybe like a really small group of people. God's inviting us into a closed door meeting with him every day. So there's this wonderful um, picture and how many of you know that Everything in the Bible is Christ. We need to find Jesus in Scripture or else we're missing it. Right? And Christ isn't split up into different nice theological boxes, is he? He is truth. Truth is a person. It's not a theological belief system. It's not a systematic breakdown of theology. It's a person. He's a person. And um, so... The wonderful thing that the Lord's been showing me about Psalm 91 is, you know, it's been so good. I mean, how many of you have loved Psalm 91 for so many years? The secret place, living in the secret place, dwelling in the secret place is actually, in the New Testament words, us being seated in Christ. Our life is hidden in God, in Christ, seated in heavenly places. So if you look in the book of Colossians and Ephesians, um, even Galatians, you know, in different ways, they describe this secret place, this life that we have. And I love it because secret, it's hidden. There's this place where we're hidden. Our life is hidden in God, in Christ, but we're seated in heavenly realms. And the Lord has been blasting me with, with this part of it. Most high. It's the secret place that belongs to the most high. Every day we have an invitation from the most high. To a closed door meeting. And to live hidden in this place where he tells us secrets. 
in the Old Testament, um, there's there's uh, these places called the high places, and they're places too often that were were places of idol worship. You know, like what what we've been talking about with Baal, right? With Elijah, the prophets of Baal, they would be doing those sacrifices at the high places, and these different false gods, Baal, Asherah. Uh, Dagon, if that's how you say it, I don't know. Uh, he's a loser. <laughs> but, you know, all these hundreds of gods that all these different civilizations have, they worship happened on the high place. But God described himself as the most high place. And even though in the Old Testament there's the, the you know there can be a negative side to the high places, there's also the positive side that David talked about. Lord, you're my high place. David talked about the secret place all the time, didn't he? In Psalms, he learned something wonderful about the Most High's secret place. He learned that he wins. No matter how big the enemy is that he's facing, and how much bigger that enemy is than he is, him plus God equals a win every time. I mean, David. David was so honest, wasn't he, in in, in the Psalms about about the struggles he had and, and the things he faced and and how weak he felt at times. And how big the enemies felt. I mean, there's a time, I think it's Psalm 18 or 118 or both, um, where he is saying, this enemy is too much for me. How many of you have had an enemy that's too much for you? If you live long enough, you're going to have an enemy that's too big for you. If you're doing the right thing, you're going to, if you're going to a new level, you're going to have a new devil, right? That's what Fran Japan said. Francis French, you know that guy? I, I don't know him personally, but I love his book that I read about the three different levels of warfare, something like that. It's good. With new levels come new devils. And you will guaranteed, you will guaranteed meet a devil that's bigger than you and will shake you to your core. And you will be like, this is too much for me. This church has been through some stuff that's too big for us. But guess what? We have the most high. Amen. There's some things that are pretty high. There's some mountains that are pretty high. But how can we say, how can we say grace, grace to the mountain and have it become a plain when it's too big for us? It's because we know somebody who is the most high mountain. We live in a culture that I think more and more is making it hard for us to close the door. We live in a culture where Victoria doesn't have much of a secret. Right? Right? That's right. And the, you know, the sexualizing of our culture 
is it's it's a symptom of a deeper problem, I think. Because it's that we don't keep sacred things sacred anymore. We don't keep private things private anymore. We don't keep things that are supposed to remain hidden. We profane them by making things that are supposed to be holy. Another word for holy is uncommon or other than we make them common. I think that's one of the greatest sins of pornography and the sexualization of our culture. It's, it's sure, it's the obvious, but the, the, the deeper sin is that God said the marriage bed is supposed to be holy. It's supposed to be a private, sacred, hidden thing. And when you expose a secret, you profane it. I mean, I'm guilty of this. I, I spend way too much time on Facebook sometimes. It's easy to get sucked into living your life out here and taking even secrets that, that are supposed to be between you and God and just automatically sharing them. And I'm not saying that that's bad, right? You hear what I'm saying? I love Facebook and I think it's a great medium. But... There is something sacred in a relationship that you're not supposed to just automatically share everything. And if you are really having that closed door meeting with God and he's sharing with you some secrets, we don't need to always share them with everybody else. Or there's a time and a place. I think in a certain way, it's what Jesus was talking about when he said you cast your pearls before swine. You lower the value of your pearls when you vomit them out and just, you know, to somebody who's not going to receive the value of those words. You know, I'm, sometimes I just, I laugh to myself when I see the, the comments on, you know, I'm watching something, I was just watching Rick Joyner live, right? He, did, he does those live videos. I like Rick, he's awesome. And, um, and then, it's like he's saying things and he, he's sharing about the book of Revelation and, and good insight that he has about it. And in the comments, it's like, you know, certain people feel the need to, to say, oh, I just, I just, you know, said that. I just, uh, you know, the Lord just showed me that. And I, it's, that's all right, but I don't think we always need to just like make yourself like put that out there. Because if the Lord's showing you that, that's awesome. And you know, this isn't across the board because, of course, there's times for the, it's going to encourage other people and it's going to bless other people. But it's like DL Moody. I don't know a whole lot about the man, but I do, I do remember hearing this story. I'm not getting all the details right, but he was an evangelist. And, and he loved the Lord, and he loved preaching the gospel, and he wanted souls, right? Because that's what evangelists were. Souls for Jesus. And he, you know, had a certain measure of success in his eyes of people coming to Christ in his ministry. 
But that was before he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he had this encounter with the Lord, baptism of the Holy Spirit, that so changed his life and was so holy and sacred to him that he would not talk about it or very, 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 very rarely ever talk about it. Except certain times when he would talk about just in a general way. It changed me so much that pre-baptism in the Holy Spirit and post-baptism in the Holy Spirit, there was like, you know, hundreds of people coming to Christ versus thousands. But that moment, that time of the Lord was so holy and intimate and a secret between him and his friend that he didn't feel the need to talk about it very much. I mean, it spoke for itself. But the intimate details of that, I mean, I don't know if he ever really spoke too too much about. And obviously we know the value of testimony, so, you know, this is not a rule. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying? That there's something that God calls us into that we almost betray our friendship with him and the secrets he shares if we just run out of that closed-door meeting and just blah, 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 blah to everybody. Let's not make what's holy common. Let's keep it holy. We're hit with so much information in the world every day that if we just add to the noise, it's not going to get heard. So we hang on to it for the opportune time and then drop a Holy Spirit bomb on somebody and then it would be good. So, in the Old Testament, uh, we have these high places. In the New, New Testament, the New Testament wording would, would be principalities and powers. Thrones and dominions. Right? In the New Testament, in Colossians, Ephesians, actually, let's read this. See Colossians one. Can you put that up? Verse fifteen through eighteen. Speaking of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in, in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. I don't know about you, but I, when I hear words like stronghold 
or principalities and powers, I tend to have a negative connotation, right? Kind of, kind of think of Ephesians 6, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, thrones and dominions, right? But guess what? Jesus is the greatest. He's head over all. They were created by him and for him. How many of you love Lance Ball now? You heard of Lance Ball now? I think he's a huge gift to the world. Um, and he's, for years now, had this amazing teaching on the seven mountains. Um, can you go ahead and put that picture up? Those of you who aren't familiar with it, I think it just gives us a good grip for like the major world influencers. So these are things like world powers. So we got business, government, family, religion, media, education, and entertainment. So this is not a teaching on this, but those are some of the big boys in our world that are influencing things. So when, when we're talking about things in the heavens and things on the earth and principalities and powers and world rulers, they're just structures, right? So business, government, family, religion, media, education, entertainment, they're just structures. They're neither good nor bad. They're created for Christ. They're created by Christ, for Christ, for him to fill all things. And so, how does this connect to Psalm 91? It connects in this way. He's calling us to a closed door meeting in the secret place. He's calling us to live in that place. And that closed door meeting is with the Most High. So what does that mean? That means that you have this secret relationship with the Most High. So that means that no matter where you go, whatever situation you find yourself in, no matter what you face, whatever principality or power, throne or dominion, demon, doesn't matter, wherever you are, you have access to the Most High God. And you are called to bring Christ into that principality and power. Well, where is that in the Bible? That's Ephesians 3.10. I love this verse. Paul's talking and he says, guess what God's actual purpose is for you? His purpose is that you may display the wisdom, <coughs> that word for wisdom, the many-sided, variegated, multifaceted wisdom of God to what? Principalities and powers. How do we do that? We have our closed door meeting with the Most High. We dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And then what's the next part of the verse? What happens when we dwell in the secret place of the Most High? We live under the shadow of the Almighty. What happened when Mary got overshadowed by God? Mary got overshadowed by the Almighty. Same name for God, the Almighty, El Shaddai. Mary got overshadowed by the Almighty. And got impregnated with something, someone that overcame the world. The same one that impregnated Mary will impregnate us with Christ. 
impregnate you with such a destiny, such a purpose, such a sense of purpose, such his wisdom, really, that overcomes the world, that displays his many-sided wisdom to whatever principalities and powers that you personally come into contact with. Isn't that good? The Apostle Peter, remember the time, that crazy, like, this is nuts. In the book of Acts, when he is walking down the street, and they are putting mats just so that his shadow, like, get the, I mean, you can't really see my shadow, but as I walk, there's this shadow right next to me. And, like, literally, he's walking by, and he's gotten a shadow from the sun, and he's walking by, and this shadow is healing people as he's walking. I'd like to propose to you that Peter learned something about the secret place of the Most High and what it meant to live under the shadow of the Almighty. Let's play a video. How many guys like the Lion King? You have it's been so many years since it came out in the 90s, early 90s. Man. Um, so there's this clip. Yeah. Let's just watch this 22 seconds. It's good. So when uh, Simba found himself in a bad place with the hyenas. Yeah, that's fun. It looks like two million people liked it too. So. Or at least watched it. Only one kid liked it. guys find had found yourself in life where you're in a place where the enemy seems you got yourself in a situation <laughs> and you know it's nice in theory to be like all you gotta do is quote scripture and say the name of Jesus right and it just works every time like magic but in like personal experience day to day, I think there's certain times we find ourselves in a place like Simba, where we're surrounded by an enemy that's too big and we try everything we got. We let that little roar out as best we know how. But we need the most high. But we got the most high. And what I wanted to say is that there's, there's something about this relationship with God where our roar starts to match his roar. Because if you remember in the movie, Simba grew up, didn't he? And Mufasa, his daddy, just kept saying, remember. Remember who you are. And by the end, he, he lets out a roar that sounded just like his daddy. 
Right? What was happening with Peter? His shadow was matching the shadow. His roar was lined up with the roar of his daddy in the secret place. You know, I mean, Jesus over and over showed us what it's like to reveal the wisdom of God to the principalities and powers, didn't he? I mean, he was, he was, you know, a lot of times right in the thick of a religious principality and power, wasn't he? And they would come and they would literally say, we're going to try to catch, we're going to try to catch Jesus in his words, didn't they? We're going to try to mess with him theologically. And every time they'd walk away scratching their head like, we can't beat this guy. I mean, even at one point in Matthew, Matthew uh, 20, Matthew, yeah, Matthew 22, they literally said, that some, we can't beat this guy, so we're going to try to trick him and trap him. Didn't work that time either. You know, I love, I love this, this the, the book of Acts because, yeah, it's amazing to read about Jesus, but, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, that's awesome, you're Jesus. Like, what about me? But the book of Acts shows the what about me's, right? And so, like, you have Peter and John, and they are shaking things up, and they're, like, healing, healing guys and getting in trouble and getting dragged in front of the government at the time and getting flogged and stuff. What's happening? They're shaking up the invisible realm. They're shaking up the principalities and powers of religion and government. And they're shaking those things up. And I love the, the, the one time where they come and Peter is like full, full of boldness and he just preaches up a storm. And they're, just, they're like, these guys are uneducated, untrained dudes. Where is his wisdom coming from? And they're like, man, they've been with Jesus. Remember Stephen? I, there's this amazing verse with Stephen. He, you know, he's just like, you know, a, a deacon, right? He's just like one of the first deacon guys. He gets chosen, and then, and we get to, we get this snippet about him. It says like he's full of wisdom in, in the holy and the holy spirit, power in the holy spirit, and he's he's like praying, and miracles happening, and stuff. And then these religious guys pick a theological fight with him, and it just says this line. It says they could not withstand the wisdom of the spirit that Stephen had. So what is that? That's just a picture. It's just a picture. It looks different ways. The wisdom of God is many-sided, isn't it? And what that means is that it's the exact thing that's needed for the situation. And we have access. We never have to be intimidated, no matter where we go. Whether it's a personal demon, or whether it's a big world ruler that Trump's dealing with right now. We have access to the Most High. And if we live in that place, we will be overshadowed by El Shaddai, who is the provider, the many-breasted one. What does that mean? It means that he is the one who nourishes us. And he, that's where the wisdom comes from. And there will be times when we need that nourishment, when we, we get beat up a little bit, 
It happened to David. It's going to happen to us. We get beat up a little bit. We get away a little bit, get a little into a situation that's a little over our heads, but we know where to go, don't we? Yes. We know where to go, and we can win every time. Amen. He called us to overcome. And we don't over overcome because we can beat every enemy. We overcome because every enemy is already beaten for us yeah. by the Most High. Yeah. We have access to the biggest stronghold. <laughs> There's a secret place that David talked about that's hidden higher above every other high place. <laughs> Safe. I mean, how do people in China preach the gospel and then go get raped, thrown in jail, and then have a move of God in that jail. How do you do that? That is too big for a human being to do. The person I'm thinking about, she lived in the secret place under the shadow of the Almighty, and she could go to the very people who just raped her Forgive them and then they get saved because there's this power from the Almighty that comes when we live in that secret place. There's the overshadowing of our life. There's a blessing and a favor that follows us that David talked about all the days of our life. And whatever situation we find ourselves in, we are called by God to bring the wisdom, the many-sided wisdom, whether it's delivering someone from demons or it's speaking the wisdom of God that leaves people dumbstruck. Whether it's in your job of finance where your boss and nobody else can, can find the answer. Like, like Daniel, he's in government, right? And nobody can find the answer to the problem. But David has access to the Almighty, the Most High God who knows all secrets, right? And he gets the download. That's you. You got problems at work that can't get solved? You have situations, you have access in the secret place. Why don't you have a closed door meeting with the Most High? I'm serious. God wants to reveal his many-sided wisdom through you to the principality of your workplace. That's right. Because Christ made that workplace, that structure is made by him and for him to reveal his glory. He wants to fill it. And he's going to fill it through you. All right, let's stand up. Let's just respond to the Lord. If you want this, I want it. I'm preaching to me, man. Lord, we want to learn what Peter learned, what David learned. Lord, we want to learn this mysterious, intimate relationship with you in the secret place. Lord, we want to actually live and experience the knowledge that you're the most high, that when we face things that are too big for us, it doesn't matter because we know how to win. Lord, we want to live overshadowed by the Almighty. Lord, what does that mean? What does that feel like? What does that look like in my life? 
What does it look like to be overshadowed by you in my workplace? What does that look like to be overshadowed by you in my family or dealing with my daughter and my son, raising them? What does it look to be overshadowed by the Almighty or in my relationships with my family? Lord, what does it look like to be overshadowed by the Almighty, Lord, in my relationships, Lord, day to day with people that I, strangers on the street? What does it look like to live a life overshadowed by the Almighty? God, is it possible for my shadow to heal people? Is it possible for my shadow to fall on, on a crippled beggar and for them to be healed? Lord, what does that look like? How, how can that even work in my life? Lord, it's great to read about Peter, Lord, and it gives us access to seeing that it's possible. But Lord, what is life? Lord, what does it look like in my life to have answers to unsolvable problems? God, what does it look like, Lord, in my life to have answers for education, Lord, where it seems like our current system is failing our kids? Lord, what does it look like, God, in my workplace, Lord, to have your wisdom, Lord, to, to, to have a creative solution or a, a new way to do things that no one has ever thought of, Lord, but you see and you know and you can tell me in the secret place, what does that look like?